Welcome back guys to this next episode of the Introduction to ST3 podcast. Today I'm joined by Katie Haywood, one of our senior sisters, and we're going to talk about how we manage the shop floor. In particular, really, with how an ST3 or going on to ST4 would manage a shop floor, especially overnight. All right then, Katie, we should probably start with what you do when you're managing the shop floor. So how do you approach managing a shop floor from a nursing charge point of view? From a nursing charge point of view, um, we come on shift and allocate staff. Um, We have a, a staffing model. We now obviously cover a massive area Um, with loads more areas to think about. Um, I have to think about uh, where the work is, where the surges are, um, skill mix, um, fluidity and moving staff from one area to another to um, meet demand. Um, I have to think about bed, uh, bed weights, obviously for our breaches. I've got to account for mental health patients, how many of those we've got in the department check that peds are okay uh, that peds are staffed um, I need to be aware of any the sickest patients in the department and checking they're managed take standby phone uh, standby calls liaise with bed managers and have to work really well with the other red leader yeah so we use a model up at Preston where we have a medical and a nursing coordinator on the mm-hmm. shop floor which is similar to the fat controller models or the epic models so we we use a model during the daytime where we have two people who are in red, hence red leaders, who are in charge of the shop floor. There's a lot of overlap actually beyond our roles. So as a medical coordinator, I do a lot of the same sorts of things that you do. Mm-hmm. I suppose there are some subtle differences, which are I tend not to phone site managers or bed managers as much. I kind of mm-hmm. leave that for the nurse in charge to do. And when I'm the medical coordinator I'm taking more responsibility for chasing plans yeah. so we're both quite acutely aware of four-hour targets which means that we need to make sure those patients are picked up as early as possible and that we've got plans by really by three hours at the latest yeah. and so I will do a lot of the chasing plan side of things and I'd expect my nurse in charge to do a lot of the making sure once they've got a plan they can actually get out of the department yeah. so there are roles there that we we share and thinking about our ST3s as they progress through their registrar years and they become more senior we're expecting them to take on some of the roles that the medical coordinator would take on but also being aware that they can rely on the fact that the nurse in charge is doing all of these other tasks at the same time and so can support them with doing that yeah okay so thinking about that when we then go into night time, we obviously then don't have a dedicated medical coordinator because we're on smaller numbers of staff overnight and everybody is really seeing patients. But we will have a reg who is in charge. So what would you expect from that reg in charge overnight? I would expect that the reg is visible to, to me and doesn't disappear off um, seeing complicated, complex patients that are going to take them off from coordinating for a long period of time. I would expect them to communicate with me any issues that they were having with any, with getting any plans, um, with any complex patients. So there are some things that that we can do 
that facilitate that communication really aren't there yeah so having regular huddles and um, whether they're at a set time which some doctors like to do two hour board rounds um i like to do a, a walk around the department get the clipboard get every patient work out where they are what they're waiting for um, and run down the board um after i've done that with the the reg overnight <coughs> Okay, so that so board rounds can be really helpful, can't they? Because they give you yeah. a good overview of what's going on, and they'll also you can help each other pick up anything that you might have missed. So mm-hmm. if one of the juniors has told the registrar that that patient is being admitted, but they've not yet put a decision to admit on the computer system, it can be easily picked up. So they're really useful for those sorts of things. And it's really important that you do communicate really well together because what you don't want is to be both doing the same thing and almost irritating the more junior doctors because you're both chasing them for their plans. It also helps both of you prioritise what needs to happen next in the department. Yeah, so running down the board, um, identifying that we've had a surge in trauma patients or there's lots of kids waiting the medical coordinator can allocate someone to see those and down the board to check that there's there's not the sickest patient waiting at the bottom and that they've been they've been picked up and that then they're now next to be seen they get picked up going through these board rounds yeah because somebody might tell you as the nurse in charge so if a nurse has seen them from triage they might let mm. you know but if the medical coordinator isn't available at that time they might not have told them so it allows that passover of information between our, our two main groups of staff. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so we've thought about what things we expect from a reg overnight. We expect them to not get too caught up in anything, especially, we're lucky, we've got two regs on overnight, so you'd have one who is there to get more involved in the complex patients, the other one you'd expect to be a little bit more free, maybe pick up minors cases, or more simple majors cases quick wins yeah so that actually they're available if you need them for the management aspects of things we've talked about them maintaining situational awareness with the use of board rounds and making sure that they go through things with you and updating the plans um, and how to prioritize tasks and rearrange where your staff are working in the department why don't we think about what attributes make a good shift leader communication definitely we're not telepathic and if uh, you're thinking something or done something and you haven't told me I can't magic a, a bed for somebody that you know you're admitting and you've not told me and likewise there's a lot that we could help with if you get if you communicate that to us just just ask and you can, we can take some of that load off anything else so yeah communication is definitely mm-hmm. a big one um, I always think being calm in stressful oh, yeah, situations calm. Yeah, yeah so that can help one, because you're a role model, aren't you, to more junior members of staff when you're coordinating. You're generally visible to everybody in the department. And so if you're panicked and flustered about the fact that things are a bit busy, that will then rub off on other people and actually make them less efficient. And it's, I imagine it's probably intimidating. In the middle of the night, in January, it's a busy a Keeping your head and keeping calm is a really good quality to have. Yeah. I also think having that ability to acknowledge what the situation is like out loud is quite important yeah so it's good to be calm even when faced with adversity but by that I'm not actually meaning that you bury your head in the sun yeah acknowledging to acknowledging to me or um, the other staff around or just having a huddle with everybody and saying look we're, we're busy now 
So by acknowledging that things are very busy or very stressful, you're doing two things really. You're letting people know that there is a problem within the department that could potentially impact on the safe running of the department and that actually what you need is you need everybody to just up that gear a little bit, have a push and really try hard and they know that it is a challenge but you're all working together, it's a working leadership model. But at the same time you will also be acknowledging that there are difficulties that come with running a crowded department. We know that when departments are crowded efficiencies actually slip. It's harder to see patients in particular areas because you run out of space. There are lots of juniors who need to ask lots of questions and because they feel pressured they feel less confident in their own decision making skills. You need to think outside the box a little bit and how you're going to manage the workload that is coming through. It might be that actually you prioritise some of your fit to sit patients because you can see them in a dedicated see and treat room whereas the patients that need to be taken into a room to be examined on a couch in a normal cubicle or need IVs and need to go in a place they will be a little bit of a slower track and by acknowledging that to the rest of the team everybody knows what they can do to try to make everything work a little bit more smoothly. Okay so attributes wise we've got good communication, we've got calm in a stressful situation, we've got that they need to be willing to acknowledge when things are very busy and maybe a bit stressful and um, support their juniors through that and the rest of the team actually, mm -hmm. not, just, not just the juniors but support the whole team through that. Anything else that makes a good shift leader? Approachability, definitely you, as the most senior doctor on the shop floor, um, nurses are going to come with random problems and questions as are the SHOs and they want they want support, they want help um, and again as the nurse in charge if there was any deflecting off to us that you, the um, middle grades could do to take some of the pressure off them that's usually fine with with us. I'd say they need to be flex, flexible as well um, it's a, a fluid department, the surges in different areas um, all the time just keeping in mind that we to the workload so we supply to the demand wherever um, we're needed being being flexible in moving staff around and also in your own workload mm. sometimes if the department's really busy then what you need to do is you need to go and see some of those patients um, especially the ones that might be complicated for the juniors but aren't complicated for you as we said before it's those quick wins and it's doing that and asking the nurse in charge to escalate up to silver and gold if needs be because of the busyness of the department mm -hmm. and because of crowding because actually you can delegate that what you can't do is ask your nursing staff to see those quick win patients so coordinating is definitely a part of your role as a registrar overnight but you need to not lose sight of the fact that you can see patients faster than anybody else in that department and so there are periods of time where you might just need to bat through a few cases in the box and make a big impact on what the rest of the department looks like. It's great for morale, it's good because it will make coordinating the rest of the place a lot easier once you've reduced your patient numbers down and it is good role modelling for the rest of your team. Okay, so we've talked about stuff that makes a good shift leader. Mm -hmm. 
So thinking on the flip side of that, what irritates you the most? Thinking that we are telepathic and can understand your thinking if you don't say it out loud. Mm-hmm. If you made a decision or need help with something, I don't know unless it's verbalised to me. Um, also, not putting decision to have mitts on. As much as it puts a timestamp, it shows up on the whiteboard and it means that I can be making a bed and you don't need to tell me that you need to make yeah, a bed, you can just put it on the whiteboard. It's another form of communication, isn't it? So you've yeah. got the verbal communication in the board rounds, but actually, if you're busy doing something or the medical coordinator is busy doing something, if that DTA appears, then when you come back, you can start actioning it. So verbal and written or electronic communication. Anything else? Going off the shop floor for, for you know, big chunks of time without delegating somebody to take over from you, um, that irritates me. At the minute the um, the milligrams have been great overnight, they've said I'm going for my break overnight, and um, such body's going to going to step up um, in case you need anything. And then you don't need to hand over the whole board, but any patients that need identifying as potential potentially a problem while well, during this half an hour that you've having your break, then um, having a, a like a, a deputy has been uh, a good idea. Yes, or saying, this is where I'm going. So if you're going for your break overnight and you're going to... So as a registrar, you're probably not going to be leaving the department because a senior will need to be in the department at all times in case a red standby comes in. But if you are going to the staff room or if you're going to the doctor's office, then it's useful for the nurse in charge to know so that if that red standby does come in and somebody needs to come and tell you about it, then they know where to find you. Similarly, there's obviously quite a lot in teaching now about sleep hygiene and the use of micro sleeps overnight. If you're planning on going and having a 15-20 minute power nap whilst you're on night, let your nurse in charge know because that will also affect what they come and disturb you for because actually if there's a question that they can't find anybody and they don't know the answer to but they know you're having a power nap they will try harder to hold it back rather than if they know that it's a really simple question and you're eating your tea and they can just stick their head around the door and ask you the question and then get on with what they're doing so really good clear honest communication with your nursing staff is incredibly valuable Okay, so Katie, what are your top tips? So for these are new registrars in their first year, they'll normally be paired with a more senior reg, so often they might just be given a little bit of a taster of running the shop floor. When they work in the children's hospital down in Manchester, they will be it um, in terms of being the reg on overnight. So what would be your top tips for somebody learning how to coordinate and run a department overnight? Top tips would be regular engagement with working down the board with the nurse in charge. We often know uh, a bit more about the potential patients coming up through the department. Another top tip would be knowing your limits. Overnight the consultant is often on site or nearby and they are never upset to be contacted. We need them to come back in overnight knowing your your limits if we if we needed help with a, an unwell paediatric patient or a significant trauma I always think it's better to contact them than, than not do. 
and I think it's it's always good to be kind and compassionate um, approachable to the other staff the nurses are going to need you the junior doctors are going to need you recognizing that you're the you're the point of contact for a lot of people and delegating towards um, the nurse in charge anything that we can help with we're more than happy to last question Katie anything that they should really avoid if there was one thing that you wanted them to not do overnight what would that be so I would say avoid um, shouting at anybody if you're feeling stressed then everybody else is going to feel stressed because we are looking at you as as being a, a senior person in a senior role yeah I think that's dead right and I think it's also worthwhile to remember that incivility reduces productivity amongst your staff so if you are shouting at your juniors because they're not working hard enough well they'll actually work even less hard off the back of that and it's also it's just not a very nice thing it's not a nice thing to witness and it's not a nice thing to experience if you feel so stressed that you feel like you need to shout at somebody then you probably need to go off the shop floor and have a cup of tea and have five minutes and just chill out a little bit great is there anything else katie that you wanted to mention just for some advice for these guys starting their first ridge post i would say not blowing my own trumpet but don't underestimate what the nurses can do for you having their input when they come to you and say i've got heebie-jeebies I think nurse heebie-jeebies are usually right. Listen to the nurses and... Yeah, I think that's really important. I think the biggest thing I've probably learned since I started coordinating as a consultant, but also with being a reg on a shop floor overnight and coordinating those circumstances, is that this is a team sport. It's not your team and the nurses team, it is the emergency department team. And actually, by working closely with your nurse in charge, it will make the entire department and therefore your lives run much smoother (laughs) when you're at work. Um, You can rely on each other and you should rely on each other. The nurses will have an awful lot of experience. You've got to remember the nursing staff don't rotate round every year. They will have worked in that hospital for potentially a large number of years yes you might get some new senior nursing staff but a lot of them will be from within the organization and so they know how things work and they know how to overcome certain difficulties and they also know when the consultant should come in so i would say as a basic principle if you think about phoning the consultant phone the consultant but if the nurse in charge says to you i think we should call your consultant in now the the answer to that is always yes um (laughs) Because they know, they've just got that experience. So trust them on that and work together as a team. Okay, thank you very much, Katie. You're welcome. Thanks for listening, guys, and stay safe. Bye now. Bye-bye.